and thank you for joining us for In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. The motto of our family of congregations is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. And thank you so much, Rachel, as always, and thank you to those of you who have chosen to uh, spend a part of your day with us, whether it's your driving to work or taking that walk around the neighborhood or just sitting down with a cup of coffee. The fact that you have chosen to spend a half hour of your day in a conversation with us is a gift, and we don't take that lightly and just ever so grateful for your presence. And and grateful for those of you who have been uh, passing the good word out there. I've I've visited a number of presbyteries this year, and I almost always get great testimonies of people at the presbyteries who have been faithful listeners to this podcast and have been enthusiastically sharing it with others. And uh, now that we're well into our second year, we're we're uh, kind of expanding a little bit to do a number of series, a series on church planting, church health. We'll also be looking at the other gospel priorities. We'll do a series on what does it mean that the EPC is part of a global movement? And uh, what does it mean to be an effective biblical leader? And we'll look at areas of discipleship. Probably later in the year, we are looking at a series on the small church, the unique struggles and challenges and joys of serving in that kind of setting and what that looks like. And we'll be interviewing a number of small church pastors. So you know, all of these things we hope are relevant to the life of those who are uh, in the EPC and perhaps in other church settings as well. It's, uh, these things may be focused on the EPC, but I think they have a broader application to the church as a whole. So don't be afraid to share this with your friends who are from another setting, another church. I think that'd be beneficial for them too. And I think that'll be true for the case today, because today uh, we have Brandon Addison on the line with us. And Brandon is an incredibly high quality guy who brings a lot to bear in his personal and ministry portfolio, if you will. He's a church health coordinator for the Presbytery of the West and the EPC, which is what brings him into our podcast today. But he's also serving in a number of other capacities. I had the joy of sitting in and hearing him lead the Presbytery of the West's pastor's retreat last fall, and he was a a spectacular teacher, uh, facilitating conversation around thoughtful spiritual formation and biblical content. He is a coach. He's a writer. He has pastored established churches, church plants, and now is a church health coordinator. So, Brandon, welcome to In All Things. Dean, uh, glad to be here and glad to, uh, glad to be with you. It is a delight to have you here, and we look forward to digging in and hearing your story and particularly interested today in that nexus of where church health intersects established churches and church plants and really for leaders as well. And so we'll dig into that in just a moment. But before we do, uh, our sponsor for this episode is the Gospel Priority of Church Health in the EPC. And one of the things that the EPC is beginning to push into by way of emphasis is that not only do we now have a church health coordinator in every presbytery acting as a kind of a central resource person for churches that want to do either assessments, churches that want to do evangelism training, churches that want help in times of transition. But one of the things that's super interesting and super helpful for that church health group is that they will offer now church health coaches 
for each church that is interested. So the church health coordinator obviously can't be at every church in the presbytery. So they are training coaches who will literally come alongside of each church as they work through some church health process. And that is really important because that means it's not a one-off. We're not doing a seminar and then walking away and you're left on your own. This is a resource available inside the EPC where you're able to have a person who has been trained and has experience and background who can come alongside of your elders, your pastor, and offer them coaching through the kind of resources. And we have a lot of them now for church health in the EPC. So if your church is at a place where you're looking strategically at at how you move into the next season of ministry and faithfully reach those who are in your, say, one, three, five, seven-mile radius, your Jerusalem, or maybe even to the ends of the earth, uh, if your church is looking to have a more outward focus and be more evangelical as an EPC church, a church health coach might be just the thing for you. So with that as a transition, uh, Brandon, let's dig into your story a little bit, because I think coach is a a great way to describe a lot of what you do. But tell us your story. Sure. Uh, I'll talk a little bit first. God found me when I wasn't looking for him growing up with non-practicing Cajun family known for like parties and Mardi Gras and uh, was having a bad basketball year in high school and all of a sudden picked up a Bible from my bookshelf. And uh, it was a ceremonial Bible a buddy gave me. I've never opened that thing before. And all of a sudden started reading the Gospel of John for the first time. And out of that came to faith. And I lived in this bridge of what does it mean to be a Christian? And what does it mean to be part of a family? And and then got plugged into a church after that. And I remember walking into um, a church when I was 17 years old. And I'm like, wait a second. What I'm reading about, people like believe. And we like sing songs. And adults believe Jesus was raised from the dead. And the church became a, a breath of fresh air and a refuge. And so a lot of the work that I get to do is around helping healthy leaders make the church more beautiful, too, because it had such an impact on me early on. One of the things that fascinates me about you, uh, Brandon, is uh, as I sat under your teaching at the Presbyterian of the West Retreat, and we were looking deeply at, at uh, John 15 in a beautiful setting, in a vineyard, no less. You brought to bear this interesting combination of neuroscience and spiritual formation. And you were looking at kind of the idea of spiritual transformation, where the idea of the way we're wired and made and the way God, you know, has revealed himself in the scriptures, those things kind of go together. That your doctoral studies are in that, if I remember correctly. Yeah. What's really fascinating is as like biblical archaeology, basically what it's been over the last 20 years, it's affirmed the biblical narrative, like tools of Bethesda and everything else. What we're discovering now is like neuroscience is affirming biblical anthropology, how we're wired and made for relationships. We're made in God's image to connect. There's neuroscience connections to that. I think what we're learning, too, is it's not just the information that we give, but it's the containers and the relationships that we offer in the church. And that can be transformative as well. Places of trust, places of grace, and that actually begins to bring about deeper forms of transformation. So, yeah, I could speak a lot about neuroscience and spirituality as a pastor, not as a medical professional. Well, and that is related to, and I think it actually feeds into one of your other passions. I mean, you're a serious outdoor experiential guy. I mean, I know you were, uh, back in the day, you were a marathon runner, you've done 
you know, river guide stuff, white, white water things. You're in outdoors. I mean, you live in Colorado, so of course that helps. But, you know, this Cajun guy who lives in Colorado, you, you really care deeply about how people's experiences form and shape them, right? Yes, I do. So talk to us about how people's experience in the church forms and shapes them. That is to say, when we talk about church health, if a church is a healthy system, you know, that has formative things. It, it works with their neuroscience for transformative change. If a church is healthy and a person has that experience, how that contributes to um, a healthier understanding of discipleship. Yeah, and I'll say one thing we have to understand about discipleship, it's not just information. It's not just simply good sermons and curriculum. One really unique thing about the brain is the limbic part of the brain, and that's the feeling center. And that thing always fires first and faster than what we call the prefrontal cortex to the rational side of the brain. And so functionally, we can walk in a room and we can have the right agenda. We can have the right things on the pieces of paper. Uh, we can have even the right theology, but something in us knows it's not safe or something's off. That's our limbic brain catching up to what's going on. And the church is a relational system. We're not just teaching information. We're teaching proper and healthy, safe ways to relate and connect one, with one another. If the gospel of Jesus Christ is true, and he's securely attached to us through his body and blood, that means we should be able to safely and securely attach as fellow brothers and sisters. Now, that's a lot easier to say than to do, but that's part of the work of a healthy church as well, is find healthy ways of relating together. So I've got to think, Brandon, if you go into a church and you're doing either, you know, putting them through assessment or you're doing a little coaching, if you said to them, the church has to stop viewing itself as a programmatic entity and see itself mm -hmm. as a relational system and understand that when people walk in, that the, the that a church is principally relational, that's got to be a big pivot towards a church becoming healthy, right? Yes, it is a big pivot before to become healthy. And sometimes it's, it's a shift. You can also create a hog to go, wait, we're saying all the right things, but why is our children's director and our associate pastor in conflict? Right. Or why is the child care center not fully connected to what we do on Sunday morning worship? And so a lot of what we do with assessment is uh, to help people see both the good and the needs work, kind of help them see the blind spots or um, help them see what, what may need tweaking or care. I think what most people don't understand, too, is the assessment tools that you guys use are self-assessment tools. It's not an outsider coming in and saying, this is the way you guys are. It's, it's actually an internal tool where the congregation says, this is how we understand ourselves. So at the end, when you're looking at, hey, we're doing these things really well, and these are things perhaps we're not doing as well, those observations are observations that the church has of itself. It's not coming from some sort of outside source. Absolutely. So that's a great point. All the assessment we, we use are self-reporting. And really what we're trying to do is coordinate to help the church see what they need to see or just help foster a conversation. That's frankly really hard to do at times. You think about having conversations about family issues as simple as going on vacation or family finances around the dinner table. Those are hard conversations. Right. There's hard conversations in the church, too. So even having 
that third person simply to hold space and help see lower some of the fears so you can have the most significant conversations, you know, they set the agenda in that regard. I, I have found as a pastor over the years, Brandon, that people typically uh, won't change until uh, I have a, a dear friend who would say this to me all the time. People don't change until the pain of staying where they are is greater than the pain of the change. And until people come to the end of themselves, they're really not really kind of open themselves up to what they really need to empower themselves for that change. And I think churches as, as emotional family systems are probably the same way, right? I mean, that reflective process of helping them to see themselves and owning that. Max Dupree says the number one job of a leader is to define reality. You're putting them through a process where they're looking in the mirror at themselves and seeing something with perhaps greater clarity uh, than they have seen before. Is that about right? Yeah, it's helping them see themselves in a way we call it mirroring. Hey, this is what what it's like. This is what your church is like. And it does take a lot of courage, willing to ask and receive help. Also, there's a benefit too, as churches have invited this in, pastors are like, oh, I feel less lonely, or I'm not the only one wrestling with this. Right. Or we're not doing anything wrong. It's just something we need to address, and we haven't, we haven't gotten to the root yet. There's an intuitive level to which we know something's not right, and we might even have our finger on what it is, but having it named and having other people see it and own it so that it's not just, you know, the leader saying, you know, for example, we are a— um, a friendly church, but we're not a welcoming church. Yeah. People are, are smiling a lot, but they, they only ever kind of click with their friends. And if a visitor walks in, they, they oftentimes don't feel like they're getting connected. As a pastor, you might observe that. You might understand that. You might own that. You might realize your congregation has a, a scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset. I mean, there might be different things that you've kind of begun to, to, to kind of identify but until those things are owned by the larger leadership, in our case, particularly the elders, let alone the congregation, pretty hard to, to help people understand their reality. They, they've got to have that tool that helps them see things clearly before they can take any steps to, to make any changes. Absolutely. And one thing, it's really vocational risky for mm. a pastor to go, hey, we're a welcoming church. I don't know if we're a friendly church. Like we're really great with greeting on Sunday morning and maybe maybe the passing the peace time and the coffee time, but actually reaching out in other areas. A pastor may be uh, one to say that because of risk, or he may not trust the intuition. And the benefit of having data and self-reporting is everybody gets to see, and there's no agenda behind it, perceived or unperceived. Right. And in a way, that helps also take some of the emotion or potential distrust out of the conversation. Right. So let's dig down on on that relationship with the pastor a little bit, Brandon, because, you know, one of your sweet spots, and it's just kind of your your nature, is is to coach. Coming alongside, you're not just coming alongside of the of the church and the elders at that point, but there's the possibility of coming alongside of the leadership, including the pastor, in kind of a coaching capacity. How, how does that help? Uh, a healthy church move into what they need to be doing? There's a few things there. One, uh, healthy pastors tend to lead healthy churches. Right. And so uh, I think the church health process begins with, with the pastor and also assisting and aiding them, you know, 
where they may need help or where they need to, to talk about things as well. Also, as you develop trust with a pastor and, and work with them, their way of relating changes, their way of leading changes, and the way they become more relational healthy, that naturally bleeds out. A byproduct of that is to the session of other people we, we lead. And we've even seen that. They go, hey, so-and-so, he's leading this differently. I don't know what's changed, but something's changed. And that's that kind of an internal work. What we say, too, as pastors is a lot of the things we're helping them do is, one, um, is help them overcome a failure of heart if the pressures of ministry cause us to kind of like lose our heart or lose our passion. Or what you said earlier, Dean, like a failure of nerve. And a failure of nerve is either like saying the, saying the true thing that may be hard or bringing about the change to reach our community that may involve loss. And we all know loss is challenging because the pain point's got to be high too. But helping pastors tend to those things and not be overcome by them. And the coach is able to come alongside of them so that they're not alone as they process that and, and begin to make decisions that move them into that kind of healthy leadership. Absolutely. And then I think uh, one great thing about coaching and what we say, and even in the terminology we use at Timbian, we call it guiding. Because guiding means, hey, I'm not over you. I'm not underneath you. I'm alongside you. And every time you want to take a step, I'm here to take a step. And I've navigated some of this terrain before. And I, I can help stop when you stop. I can help you take a break when you take a break. When you're ready to summit, I'll be right there with you. Uh, yeah. The coming alongside in this nature of helping them come to their conclusions and what God may have in the midst of that. I hear a lot from folks who are uh, practitioners and people thinking deeply about some of these things that one of the things that's going to be so important for healthy churches going forward. And it builds off what you said, Brandon, which is healthy churches tend to have healthy leaders and healthy pastors, is this idea of mentoring or this idea of coaching, this idea of kind of intergenerational relationships, you know, where there's this connection of, of wisdom and experience and all those kind of things. I hear that again and again. And again, a lot of churches are looking at pouring in the next generation leaders in terms of mm -hmm. internships and fellowships. I think that is going to be so crucial going forward. I have a coach. I think it's a best practice. I think most of the people in leadership positions that I know do have coaches. And uh, the nice thing is my coach was able to kind of customize an approach that, that fit well with me. So I, it's, it's part leadership, you know, cause I'm in a leadership position and I need, I need someone to bounce ideas off of, or someone to reflect things back to me or to guide me, as you said. But he's, he's also helps me with some issues of spiritual formation where he'll ask me, you know, where is God is at work and what am I learning? What is God saying to me? And things that help me integrate my faith in my leading. So those two things are not separate, but really uh, yeah. integrated holes. So I, I love the idea of coaching where, you know, someone like you brings this very full, robust understanding of how God has made us coming alongside of them helping them uh, step into a system and be a transformed person to transform the church. And to do that, both as a coordinator, as a coach, I think is, I mean, that's, that's pretty new in the EPC, right? I mean, this emphasis on all this has just been like in the last year or so. It's really new in the EPC. And I think one of the key things that I'm going to doing this idea of, of coaching, both coaching leaders and sessions. And you said it well about, about who's coaching you. A coach is somebody who is willing to be with you 
who doesn't need anything from you, like that's a gift to a pastor of a session, regardless. Hey, I'm here. I'm for you. And I don't need anything from you. As far as like, I'm not, I don't have any agenda besides to help you. Right. And to, to listen well and to be a sounding board and offer some things that may aid you in your journey. And then also I'll say one thing that I've been struck with lately too. I've heard, I don't remember who said it, like in our day and age, even in the church, we have plenty of elderly, but not enough elders. The same thing is uh, we got plenty of information, but not enough wisdom. And so that intergenerational connection, what we get in that is something that is in such short supply culturally. We get to have wisdom and connection and, and to learn how to live life well as we follow God. Well, some great nuggets there, Brandon, and super uh, helpful and appreciative. I'm wondering if as we turn kind of the corner toward home here, if you have any counsel to, let's say someone is listening in and they're in a church where things aren't falling apart, but things aren't you know, going gangbusters either. It's just kind of a, a normal, average, everyday church is just kind of chugging along and they're not sure whether they need church health resources or a church health coach. I mean, what would you say to the average congregate member or elder who's listening in as to why something in church health would be good for them? I would say that is actually the best time to reach out and have a conversation. There may be nothing to do, but if we're working towards church health, which is the fullness of what the church can be, it's the opportune time to have a conversation, look under the hood, ask questions. In fact, if things are stable and good, that may be a chance to go, okay, what's been that three years look like for us? Well, and if people wanted to hear more, learn more, uh, Brandon, uh, whether it's as a church health coordinator or as a coach, and I know you're involved in 10 man ministries. Uh, how would people connect with you? Yeah, best way to most likely reach out beyond Presbytery of the West, you can go to 10man.life, www.10man.life. Also, my email address, Brandon at 10man.life, and be able to reach me there as well. Well, it's been a great conversation, and uh, I hope it's been a blessing to you as well as you've been listening in. And this has been a part of the series that we've had on church health these last number of weeks. You, you realize that it's not one-dimensional. There's a lot of different aspects to this, and God has brought some really talented, gifted people into leadership in the EPC who bring a vast experience and background and and you can hear in Brandon uh, some of the approach that he brings that is so rich to that leadership team. So we hope that we've just whet your appetite, caused some interest, maybe curiosity that you might want to reach out and see uh, if your church would be interested in taking the next step and in, in being healthy. Because a, a healthy church, uh, in my view, as your stated clerk, EPC, a healthy church is a church full of disciples who are making disciples who make disciples. And uh, if, if your church is doing that, then obviously we want to learn from you. We want to grow from what you've done well. If your church is kind of stagnant or struggling with that, we'd love for you to reach out to some of our church health folks so that disciple-making movement could be alive and well inside of your congregation. Because the local church is where the kingdom of God breaks in. All right, my friends, let's uh, wrap up this conversation uh, as we always do with that good word from God's word. And we always take that look at Colossians 1, 15 through 18, because that really puts things into perspective for us. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creating, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, 
visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, my friends, and in him, that is Jesus, all things hold together, for he is the head of the body, the church. Until the next time when we gather in this setting to have another conversation in all things, I bid grace and peace to you. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.